Yo, welcome to the Zillionaires Podcast, where we mainly talk about Seattle-related sports topics and other things as well. I'm your host and moderator, Solo, from Brooklyn. What up, what up, y'all? This is Chisler from Seattle, Washington. They call me the wizard of Washington sports. Every night I gaze into my crystal ball and see the future of what's going down. What's up, guys? This is Krusty from Yakima. I wear my fandom on my sleeve. I get crazy, I get emotional, and I like to throw down ultimatums. Let's have some fun. Welcome back, zillionaires, zillionettes, for another fun-filled episode. I just got back from Europe a couple days ago. I know that for the five people that have been listening, you know that I've been on tour for the last eight weeks. Is this the solo podcast <laughs> or what? Skype. Come on. <laughs> Everything is Let us Skype. have a word yeah. here. <laughs> exactly. Everybody knows that I've been going. Um, and you know what? It's funny because we might have to change the intro because it seems like Centaur is now like a main part of this podcast. So. Yep. Get him on. Well, you know, I, I've noticed that I'm... That I'm seeing more downloads. It's uh, downloads are like up twenty percent every time I'm on, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's it, it's just because I'm downloading the show. So we go from like yeah, four to five yeah. downloads. <laughs> it's because you have it's because you have two kids and Krusty yeah. only has you, one. You have so. a big extended family. We all know. And yours are a little older. Oh, that's Yours are a little older, so they tell all their friends, and he's like, yo, check out my dad. He's yeah. a podcast star. <laughs> World-famous podcaster. Yeah. yeah. I do want to just put oh, it all into awesome. perspective a little bit, right? You know, we've, we've, we've had a great uh, a run, and, and there are a growing body of listeners, but I was just on the internet the other day, and I was <clears throat> watching somebody play video games online on Twitch, and there were 7,000 people watching that instantly right at that moment. So we've got a long ways to go, guys, before we're actually making making any sort of dent in the world. Our, our 12 listeners is... Uh, let's, let's just get to double digits. Let's get to yeah. double digits. <laughs> Hey, but but they're well, loyal. <laughs> it's a loyal fan base. They're rabid. It's a it's a rabid. <laughs> it's, it's true though. You need your own fans. I mean, that's the only way you can sustain a career. I mean, we could be fickle like that video game guy. I mean, he might be crushing it now, but like, let's see where he is in seven years. Will he still be having seven thousand followers? <laughs> Who knows? Just we're still gonna have our little five people listening. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's just do some market research real quick. How many of our wives actually download this show and listen to it start to finish? Zero, not mine. <laughs> mine doesn't. <laughs> yeah, mine isn't at all. No. Mine, mine, mine listened to most of them at one point, but she is not listening like each time newly as they come out. Absolutely. Not. Mine can't stand it live while I mean, we're I recording don't think it. Any of my family, <laughs> even my mom can't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All she hears is your side, though. If she could only hear Krusty and, and Centaur, then she might switch over. Yeah, to it's, that's right. It's, that's right. It's too much of my own opinion that she already gets all the time. <laughs> so I got to tell you a quick story. Like, I flew back two nights ago, and we had this big party at the end of the night or the end of the tour because it's kind of like we're gonna, he's going to take a huge break. And, um, like, I get back to the hotel, and... I had to like leave pretty early in the morning and it was pretty late. So I was like, okay, this is, this is brutal, but I'm a pro. I always packed all my stuff before I go. I'm ready to roll, get in the car, drive to the airport to, to Heathrow. And it's about an hour and a half drive to get there, get on the plane, fly home. Everything's cool. Next day I wake up, everything's cool. 
yesterday morning, I'm laying there 6 a.m. And I just all of a sudden start freaking out about something. I'm like, wait a minute. Where are my in-ear monitors? They're these things that you put in your ears and they're very expensive. And I have two sets, two different brands. And I don't remember unpacking them. And I start flipping through all my apartment. I'm like going through everything. And I'm like, oh, shit, I left them in the hotel. And I called the hotel yesterday. And they're like, oh, yes, um, yeah, the lost and found is closed till Monday, so you're just gonna have to wait till Monday no. to decide. If, yeah, three thousand dollars worth of headphones. I have to wait till tomorrow morning to find out if they're there. I'm pretty sure they are, but it's been kind of a miserable weekend thinking about if I lost that because it's pretty. That's really expensive. Yeah, that's oh my like gosh, stupid. Out. Yeah, they're fifteen hundred bucks a piece, and I got two of them. So, and then I was like, oh, I probably insured them though because I have insurance on all my gear and I go look at my policy. Nope, they're not on there. (laughs) (laughs) Probably some... Some some European uh, DJ who actually would know what those are is like, oh, score. Aren't they like custom fitted to your own ear holes? They're like molded. They're molded to my ears. Yeah. What? Yeah, they're custom fitted to your your ear holes. I said so. Nobody else can use them. Yeah, they're custom fitted. Like they're molded, so no nobody in the world could wear them but me. So I'm just trying to like I'm trying to be zen right now. I'm like, okay, it's gonna be fine. They're definitely there. I, I remember having them on the desk. I don't remember them putting in my bag, but remember, don't forget to put them in your bag. And I did. So, dude, I've I've been a little stressed as well. <laughs> I got the email from the Seahawks. I've been a little stressed as well. I got the email from the Seahawks that said I get to uh, buy my four tickets to the Seahawks games this year on Monday morning, and if you all. <laughs> have ever tried to buy tickets right when the Seahawks release them? It is a madhouse. You go on Ticketmaster and you click a game and you dial it all in, pick your seat, and then you go to purchase it and it's like, oh, those don't exist anymore. And then you click another set, oh, those don't exist anymore. Those don't exist anymore. And then you have to go to a different game and try and find find any tickets for that <laughs> game. So, <laughs> so I've oh, been like man. dialing it in with the. People that I, I'm wanting to go to the game with and saying, okay, give me your first choice. What's your second choice? What's your third choice? <laughs> and it's been stressful. So I've got a little matrix that I'm going to. Like, is, is, do people have season tickets like they do for the Mariners? Is it like possible for football? There are season tickets, yes. But there's oh, a waiting yeah. list. I joined the waiting list. Uh, that's why I get these tickets. I joined the waiting <laughs> list in 2013. And it is now the 2017 season, and they every year they just send me a, a letter in the mail that says, yeah, you're nowhere near getting season tickets, so you're on this waiting list. But as a, as a consolation prize, we'll let you buy four tickets at a, a decent price for the year. Yeah, so for all the hardcore fans that have stuck it out through like the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, they're the ones that are like, yeah. oh, finally – I get my season yeah. tickets, man. And then they just go on. They go on StubHub and flip them for ten thousand dollars. Chisler's gonna get his magic. He's gonna. He's gonna be ready. He's gonna have a sweatband on. He's gonna stretch. He's. He's gonna have like a water bottle and and someone there with everything he needs. He'll have you know done a bunch of finger calisthenics in the morning, so his keyboard skills are mad. And then he is going to get us good seats to that Monday night Falcons that's the, game. That's the plan. And we are going to that and, Monday uh, night Falcons And the funny game. thing is, is I'll be doing all that while at work. <laughs> yes, no, <laughs> it's work. Screw work. This is way more important than work. 
Well, I, I, I agree. I'm going to be like, I'm going to have to, every morning at work, we have a little uh, stand-up where we have to meet with our team and say what we've done. And I'm basically going to skip that. I'm going to skip all activities in the morning. And then I'll report back that, oh, yeah, I got Seahawks tickets, you guys. Sorry. <laughs> Well, isn't didn't training camp start today, Krusty? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, so training stamp, uh, training camp starts today, and I think this is kind of cool. But uh, I think that for the first time ever, they are uh, you can live stream training camp practice or part of it anyway, um, and they're going to be doing that. I think through like the Seahawks website, um, but but they're going to be live streaming like oh, nice. multiple of them. There's there's a schedule, which is kind of super nerdy and shows how insanely successful football and the Seahawks have been that people are. I'm sure there's going to be thousands of people watching practice in training camp, which is crazy. I, You know, I tried to click on that the other day to watch the I was like, oh, it's on. And then I clicked on it. And I realized, like, oh, training camp hasn't started yet. But, yeah, I'm kind of excited. I'll definitely cue in and listen to some tunes. I think the the. The awesome piece for me is that the start of training camp just gives us the the excitement that football's around the corner. Uh, we'll start to hear all of Pete Carroll's and, you know, everyone's going to be talking about how fast this guy is and how great that guy is and what a what a crazy battle this is for this position. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to have lots to talk about coming out of this. And, you know, everything's positive right now and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it does look like Earl Thomas is ready to 100% report for training camp. Full go. I think it also nice. uh, it's a great sign that we made it through the this like six week period with very few arrests, and most of our players are, <laughs> are yeah, that's all didn't, didn't injure themselves no, no, working out. None of the rookies out. broke into pop top. Yeah, exactly. Nope. None of the none of the rookies. None of the new rookies broke into Top Pot Donuts <laughs> yet, so that's good. <laughs> Nobody dropped a 300-pound weight on their what, chest. I, you've been talking about it so much. I want a Top Pot. <laughs> they just they opened yeah. one in Edmonds, man. Yeah. Really? Yep. Is there one in Spokane? Nope. Oh, man. <laughs> No, it's an outrage. <laughs> but along with uh, along with training camp opening, uh, Centaur, did you see that uh, we we got rid of uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis and signed uh, or traded him straight across for basically the exact same guy? Yeah, just a special teams ace, essentially. Yeah, a line a linebacker special team. I mean, he was a Pro Bowl special teamser, but. We basically just traded one linebacker that does special teams for another linebacker that does special teams. So so let's pump the brakes a little bit because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that when we drafted KPL, the scout that was um, associated with picking him uh, basically published a quote that said, he's the next Navarro Bowman and, uh, you know, just total hyperbole. Yeah. And here we are three years later. He never was able to crack the roster. Um, had one of the just worst brain fart <laughs> penalties, you know, in the playoff game last year, didn't amount to yep. anything. And, and now he's gone for basically a, a special teams specialist, which is fine. You know, it's like Krusty said, a pro bowl special team specialist, but, but still right. that before we get too wrapped up in the, uh, all the optimism that's going to come out of training camp in the next couple of days, let's, let's, you know, check ourselves a little bit. 
Hey, I liked I liked KPL. Uh, that's too much I liked, reason. <laughs> I liked KPL, man. He, Get off this. He yeah. was a he cooked. But he but but you're 100 percent right though. He he was he had they said he could play all three positions and he was yeah he was gonna be the answer to whatever hole they needed and yeah and it just never worked out for sure. Well, I mean he had. All the you know our our amazing linebacker core in front of him. He he couldn't break through that. I don't think that was that was the issue. So it's like why why keep him around? Let him let him go pursue it somewhere else. Plus, we got how many linebackers did we pick up this off season? Three <clears throat> that were you know game tested starters on other teams. So if he was good, there's always an opportunity to to get playing time. Yeah, you know that I mean? third linebacker, that third linebacker spot should have been a place that he could have cracked through for a little while there. But I mean, like Bruce Irvin left two seasons ago. It's yeah. you know, there's there was an opportunity there, and he couldn't couldn't seize it. Yeah, but yeah. look, we still have I mean, Brock Coyle. About, oh um, no, don't we? Do we have Brock Coyle, or is he gone too? No, they're talking about uh, <clears throat> the third linebacker being one hundred percent up for grabs right now. There is like no favorite. Mm. Right now. We also signed a defensive tackle that the Eagles just cut, um, who was, I think, a first-round pick originally yeah. for the Eagles. Um, He's in the Deion Jordan uh, bucket camp, you know, yeah. The, yeah, the super just, high draft pick that just didn't amount to anything. And so, they, and so we, bas- we basically acquire him for nothing, and it's just yep. a lottery ticket. Neither one will probably make exactly. the roster. Exactly. He's it's exactly what Pete loves. He's gonna he's gonna take this guy who has like, you know, a ten percent chance of maybe being good and just slide him in in this depth. And if he does pop, if you hit the lottery, then all of a sudden your defensive tackle rotation is unbelievable. Did any of you guys <coughs> did you any, any of you guys read that uh Richard Sherman story about uh his off season before this training camp? Yeah, on the mm-hmm. Players' Tribune. I read the first three uh, paragraphs. It was pretty interesting. It was it was interesting enough that you only read three paragraphs. Yeah, I was waiting for someone to get an idea. <laughs> <laughs> he starts talking about changing diapers. I'm like, dude, I don't give a shit about your personal life. Are you kidding me? Who cares, dude? Uh, <laughs> Baby proofing. I thought it was I thought it was an interesting perspective. And later on down in the article, he got into some of the, you know, the what he calls not real friction between him and, and Russell, yeah. which we've talked about on this podcast multiple times over the off season. And I, you know, his message has been consistent to what we've heard recently. Just there is nothing there. We're teammates. We compete, you know, although yeah. are you guys getting as tired of this iron sharpens iron crap that we hear <laughs> on like everything now about them? <laughs> I haven't heard any of that. Uh, every one of them in any every interview are just like, look, we're going to go full board. We're going to compete as hard as we can against each other because, you know, iron sharpens <laughs> iron. <laughs> oh, That's man. So ridiculous. Yeah, right? the stuff they come I've heard up with. it like 55 times now, you know. OK, I think in his like deep down inside, he's like, yeah, I don't like Russell. Like, why would we ever hang out? We have opposite personalities. We're not like vibing. But you know what? We play on the same team. Of course, I mean, we all have worked with people that we didn't like but had to work with them, right? Like, 
it's not just like normal life but I feel like in sports they just really have to emphasize these personal relationships and what the locker room is like but I think deep down they're all professionals and they know how to just yeah they're gonna play the sport and then whatever's going on off the off the field they don't care but everybody talks about it because they have to I mean do you do you see like Richard Sherman calling up Russell like hey dude we're about to do this podcast in 20 minutes you want to get on Skype <laughs> <laughs> I don't see them well, being like tight like that. Yeah, you're making me think I'd like to read the article, like the media's articles about your band, you know, like, oh, and this guy, he yeah. can't stand this guy, and it's it's all about to fizzle all out. And it's like, no, we're just on the road. We're just going to play the show. Just, It's like, yeah, we might not be the best of friends, yeah. but it's our job. Did you see the keyboardist? He flipped off the lead singer. <laughs> yeah. song. He flipped him off. Yeah, well, They're that actually apart. would never—that would never happen. But maybe the drummer, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the lighting guy. You don't ever mess with the singer. That's that's my rule. Exactly. It's like you and you and Mike or something. Like is and Mike's the QB. Like, do you have to be his best friend? I don't yeah, know. Exactly. He, he <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's different. No, we're all actually that. That's. Well, for me, we're all actually good friends in the band and the crew, actually. So I didn't really mean it with me, but I know that people were, I know with you. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just saying anybody's workplace. If somebody were to start writing articles about my personal dynamics with my coworkers, that would be an interesting world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, we all have our things, and, and they probably don't dislike each other either. It's not like that deep. Where I know there has been teams where, and bands, in fact, where they nobody likes each other at all, and they don't even. In fact, that when we just met with when we played with like Blink One Eighty Two a couple of mo- uh, months ago or so, there, I was talking. I knew one of the truck drivers because he'd driven for us years ago. And he was like, man, they don't even hang out. He's like, as soon as they're done playing, everybody has their own bus. They all go off and do their own thing, and they don't even talk. And the only time they see each other is when they're on stage. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But, you know, that's that's their situation. But no one ever talks about that, right? They're just like, you go see them. Well, actually, you kind of said that about, about Fleetwood Mac in back in the day, too. When you yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start there. Well, I don't know anything about uh, I don't know anything about Centaur's work at all. Exactly. And I guarantee, and I guarantee he has twenty nine mortal enemies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's an understatement. There's there's far more than that. <laughs> all, all I know about Centaur is one time he told me. That he's like the coolest guy at work, and that just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to see where I work. I mean, it's yeah. true. No, I mean to put it in perspective. You said you come I, in, you I, you throw the two doors wide open, right? You just throw them open hard. <laughs> come in, let's start. I work in a spreadsheet factory, okay. <laughs> and, and if anything, it's 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 more like a spreadsheet uh, sweatshop. So you know, there's there's just a bunch of accountants just you know bolted to their to their stations and crunching out numbers. And so if you just come in and give any kind of you know form of a pulse or a little bit of life to the room, I mean, you're you know you're basically Mick Jagger or something. Or, you know. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <clears throat> okay, just one last little bit on this. Go ahead. Chisler. Yeah, one last What's little that? bit on this. Like, okay. Uh, when the Players' Tribune launched a, a few years ago, I was kicking myself because it was it's it's um, a very similar concept to you know internetzillionaire.com a blog long form articles from different perspectives different authors 
<clears throat> but it, you know, it's rooted in this sports thing, and it has this amazing fo- backing of Derek Jeter and and the crew behind it. But I was so impressed yeah. with that website from day one, and they have stuck to this mantra. And reading Richard Sherman's article, where he basically just puts the smackdown on all the bullshit media that's been swirling this whole summer, and he does it in his own words, and he does it like. <clears throat> in five paragraphs just puts a whole new like meaning to the off season and what was really important. I think it truly shows that having a direct um, voice of the, of the uh, athlete to the fan is the absolute way forward. And it shows the incompetence I think of the, the media and it kind of gets me back to my point that I've been on for a while on this podcast, which is like our local media just doesn't understand how to cover sports. And I would say that it, it, it's not even about our local media. It's like the national media story around sports is, is so, skewed in some ways when when a player can just put it in their own words and just completely change the narrative um i think that's really really dope and i think the players tribune website is a great model for all um kind of all all celebrity kind of uh of uh you know uh of that world it's a great model so i love that website and i think richard is one of the best people best people on there what do, you, what do you guys think about that website? I was actually just joking when I said I, – I agree. I, I was just joking when I said I only read the first three paragraphs and I didn't care because it's true. I actually do want to hear the perspective of their life, their, their like backstories. It's way more interesting to me than hear the media be like, oh, did Richard Sherman not like Russell? Like, And then you hear these guys talk an opinion about somebody would, rather than just hearing what it's like from his life, which is much more interesting to me because it's like it's from his mouth saying this is what I did. This is actually going on. And it's not a 10-second um, soundbite, I mean, right? You know, they get – they get exactly, more yeah. context and all that. The the only thing I disagree with you, Chisler, is that I mean I know that you it, it is a lot like the Zillionaire website. <laughs> the only difference is, is that those guys are famous and people know who they are. I'm world famous. What are you no. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, like I, perspective answer, from someone famous question, is interesting. To answer your question, Chisler, I would say that. I, I've enjoyed the Players' Tribune. I think that you can get some good information. Um, I probably have a little bit of different perspective, I think, though, on... <clears throat> and this is purely selfish and petty and not what's best for the overall world or anything except for my own personal football experience as a fan. But I kind of don't want to know as much about all the players. Like, I just want them to be the cornerback of the Seahawks. I don't want to know about, like, the rest of your life. Like, I don't want to see behind the curtain. I just want to see 29 on your jersey and watch you blow people up and intercept balls and score touchdowns. Like, I don't really care about who they are. I I just don't. Crusty. Maybe that's that's me being a selfish fan or whatever, but, like, I just want to know that you do the belly roll dance when you sack somebody. Like, that's as much about you as I, I like need that to. perspective. There, there is something I, I to be said that. about that. I, I do too. But here's the cool thing about it: is you don't actually have to read the article when it comes out. That's a good point. <laughs> you can just like still like them and like ah, I'm not going to do any because re-. really it's not like the Players Tribune is a very popular website. Like, is it? I mean, I don't feel like a lot of people know about it. Like, we know about it because of you. But I, don't I, think, well, I think it's been pretty successful. 
It's really? definitely successful. Um, it doesn't ever and, pop and I would up in say my, that it's it never more pops like, up in my Facebook feed. Yeah, it does for me. It, yeah, but I'm I'm always on it. Oh, it does. Yeah. So I'm on it too, but I'm just saying, like you know, how people share articles. No one's ever shared it, and I've never seen a shared article in my feed on that. Really, that's interesting. You didn't see this Richard Sherman one there? I don't know. No, I mean, did you share it? Because I did. I, you told me about it, so then I went to the website. But I mean, oh, okay. not, nothing ever like pops up. I have to go like I have to search it. It's not like this thing. It's not like like uh, yeah, it doesn't BuzzFeed. pop up for me. Either. Yeah, it's not like BuzzFeed or anything like that, where it's like a very popular search or a, a blog. But I mean, I feel like it's. I don't feel like the majority of sports fans actually know about it. I just I was it's like, it's what a, do you think, Centaur? Yeah. Do you do you want your players to be WWF stars where they just are <laughs> the player, or do you want to know the real human being behind the mask? Yeah, Christy, I think I think you bring up a good point. And back to Chisler's comment about how the local media struggles to tell the story. I I tend to agree. I I don't. It's like we almost turn sports journalists into like a TMZ or a gossip kind of publication and you know we we all know somebody that is in the local sports media and and if you talk to him he'll tell you things that he sees you know in the locker room or on on the sideline and this and that that he can't publish because if he publishes it then it creates a firestorm and then he loses access and so you know at at the end of the day it's it's sort of this weird incestuous kind of relationship where they get they get access only if they don't use that access you know so yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. I don't really need to, to see all the inner workings and the controversy and the gossip and, and all that. I, I just like good analysis. That's what I read. I, I read the, the training camp battles and, and the, the salary cap ramifications and why do we trade this guy and who's this new guy coming in? I mean, that's, that's what I get the most um, satisfaction and, and usage out of. So I guess I broadly tend to agree with your statement, Krusty. Nice. The voice. Of I just reason. want to. Uh, I want to. I want to <laughs> clarify a little bit of of my position because I do think you've brought up a really good counterpoint, Krusty. Um, it's more. I think Richard Sherman's article is not. Hey, I want to lay this all out for you. It's here. I have to counteract what's already out there, um, and that's not his doing. You know. Um, and regarding like <clears throat> um, the kind of TMZ of it all. That's ESPN. That's all these other people doing that. You know, like I don't think that I don't think yeah. that's Richard saying, "Hey, I want to I want to be a TMZer." You know, I want to be on the front page of TMZ. It's other people kind of laying this all out there, and he has to go set the record straight. So that's why I think that that website ha- has sure, a, has sure, an importance sure, sure. and and um, and a balancing force. I guess it's great that they have a. Uh you know, a, a, an opportunity to have voice through it. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Um, I, I agree though. I, I just, I wish that we could see more media that would just focus on the outcomes of the sport and what affects that versus yes. like trying to be the first to get the most Twitter yes. hits or whatever. And I know? think we actually do have somebody now in Seattle who's doing a spectacular job and it is Shiel Kapadia uh, at ESPN.com. He is writing, you know, great analysis articles with just the right amount of personal touch. And, you know, like, let's talk about, 
his most recent one was this article about Russell Wilson's training regimen this offseason, you know? And that's something where it's really per- pertinent to the sport. Uh, it's really pertinent to this personality, but it doesn't go into, it doesn't go into, like, him dating Sierra, <laughs> you know, or being married to Sierra and their children, yeah. their children or any of that. It's, like, it's a little bit human interest, but it's more like still focused on making the team better and stuff, or, you know, how it fits into the team. I think Shio Kapati is doing a great job, so I would just want to call out that exception because I have been so critical. And I would say that uh, I read that article as well about Russ and his offseason, and I enjoyed it also. I, it, was, it was well done, I thought, and uh, kind of interesting. I mean, a lot of it was kind of duh. I mean, of course he's going to say he wants to play forever, and but I do like to see that he is working hard and recommitting as a fan to that. I mean, that's stuff that makes you feel confidence in your star quarterback. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think? So in that article, it basically said that he has hired a, a trainer and a and a like a physical therapist yes. who basically have to like just follow him like their lives are now his life. And I can't imagine that like I don't. I don't know how much they're getting paid, and but personally, like I don't think it would matter. Like I don't know if I could be paid enough to have like my life only be at the hands of another human being. Like he gets to like if Russell moves, he has to move. Like it's, right, yeah. it's crazy. It's like having a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's like having a child. Yes, and this dude, the the trainer that he hired is twenty five years old. Which honestly, at that age, he probably just thinks it's fun. You know, like traveling with Russell Wilson and being around the game and the NFL and all that. So, like, he probably thinks it's cool, I guess. But or I would have at that age. But but uh, man, I can't imagine that just like being your life, like just that. It's like being a slave. It's like being a personal assistant. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't get any time off. Yeah. It's weird. I wouldn't enjoy it. Um, I think it's. I think it's it'd be funny to talk about if we think it's realistic that Russ is going to play 25 years. I mean, he says stuff to try and will it into existence. Do you think he can will playing in the league for 25 years into existence with what he's got, with his money, with his with these uh, other people around to help him? Well, let's look. At, I don't think it's possible. To answer that, to answer that question, we have to look at the quarterbacks who've been able to have the longest careers and see what got them there and does Russ have that you know ability to do that so you've got Brady you've Favre, got Favre yeah. uh, who else played who else played Manning really Peyton late? Manning played a long time Marino played a long time yeah. Dan Marino John Elway played forever yeah. Rick Meyer so, <laughs> Hasselbeck did no? Hasselbeck uh, played for a while yeah and Warren, Warren Moon played guys. a long time. Yeah, I was going to say, uh-oh, those guys are all white. Those guys are all white. Yeah. Not Warren Moon. <laughs> no, most I of know, those yeah. guys played, at least, at least at the end of their careers, most of those guys played behind a very good offensive line. Yeah, and they didn't run. I think that it would be really hard to play 25 that, years it, in the modern era. That would be the era. challenge for Russell is as he gets older – if he once he loses like Centaur brought up in a previous episode himself and said that, you know, the, the days of Russell's, you know, 
freakish mobility and him turning into more of a scrambling quarterback than a running quarterback is is probably here and close and 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 the question is going to be can he transition into a 100% pocket quarterback yeah that he has to really if he wants to play 25 years well it's not only that he he needs to have a quicker release that's that's the one <coughs> criticism yeah. that I've seen. You know, the, it, he he just seems to pump the ball an extra half a second, or uh, you know, or just take three spin moves uh, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. You can be a pocket passer, but I mean, when you think of Tom Brady, just quick release, quick decision, yeah. quick release, get it out, get it out, get it out, and uh, that's that's the biggest skill that he has to develop and and will determine his longevity. But just for the record, I will bet the under on that 25-year career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't see it happening either. I, I think the height thing is that a big deal. That means he'll be deal. like 50 years old. I actually think the height thing is a big deal. When I look at those other guys, uh, if you can just like be a statue in the pocket and see over things and, and toss it, it's a huge advantage. So I wouldn't doubt if in like five years, Russell hires a, a full-time, uh, you know, surgeon who's going to saw his leg bones and then stretch him out a couple inches over every <laughs> off season. And by the end of like in 10 well, years, I, he'll be six two. you know, like Gattaca. Like <laughs> I, I will say though, Chisler, I will say though, Chisler, Drew Brees is putting together a pretty long Ooh, career yeah. and he's not tall. Yeah, but he's not good anymore either. Well, Russell didn't say I want to be 25 yeah. years again. <laughs> yeah, he just said I want to play 25 years. I think Breeze threw for like 5,000 yards last year. Yeah, I think I he's mean, still just, pretty good. Something just insane that we don't even pay yeah. attention to anymore. Yeah, that's all I mean. I, just, I don't like him as a still, fantasy. He's still one of the top <laughs> fantasy quarterbacks every single year. Yeah. That's because that's and the most been, important he's thing. He's been in the league a long time now. As long as you can be good at fantasy as a player, then it's all good. <laughs> we don't care how the performance is on the field or if you win games, just as long as you give me some points every Sunday. And one thing I think that it doesn't well, matter. Well, yeah. I know that. Go ahead. And, go I was ahead, just going to say, I, I, I don't think he wants to play football for 20 years. 25 years in actuality in, in 10 years, he's going to be, he's going to move on to something uh, bigger, a bigger stage. I think honestly, he's, he's got so much ambition. He's definitely going to go into, yeah, he's got so much ambition. I think football will be holding him back by that time. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. So you except don't think- for he definitely has that. He definitely has that like Hall of Famey, like be the greatest of all time type thing in his mind, though. And he's always had that. Like he's gonna want like four Super Bowl wins and stuff like that. That that stuff will matter to him. Yeah, we just got to get all those Super Bowl wins now. We need all those early then. Let's get two. <laughs> it's a good It's a good year <laughs> for it. Going for three it's right a good now. year for it. I like the Hawks this year, man. I'm excited. Well, so here's so going back into that, going back into this year, let's do like I know Centaur loves to like predict things ahead <laughs> uh, for that. I don't have that are <clears throat> Yeah, that was totally sarcastic. Um, okay, I was going to say I don't have the crystal ball or the wizard staff. Or, uh, <laughs> uh, but let's let's. How about this? Let's look at what. Make a prediction here 
of what is going to be the main storyline of training camp, like coming out of training camp into the preseason or whatever. What is the main storyline when we look back at training camp that that either on the field or how Chisler? I'm sure Chisler's going to go with somebody, stab somebody's wife. (laughs) (laughs) Not on this team, man. Not on this team. (laughs) What do you think, Solo? What's going to be the main story of training camp? The main story of training camp is going to be Chisler is not going to be there running over a five-year-old kid to get an autograph. (laughs) 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 Sorry. How do you know? I think the main story is going to be that locket. I think think they're going to talk about Lockett being back and Earl Thomas being back. And the fact that they're actually healthy again to play. And basically, like, you know, there's nothing, nothing's going to be, like, sticking out as, like, a main point. I think they're just going to rehash all the, like, you know, with Bennett being back and Richard Sherman and all that and Russell and Doug Baldwin. Like, they're just going to talk team about chemistry, the same guys chemistry and, how, and all that. Yeah. Yeah, just how fired up they are to play again. Yeah, there's not, I don't think anything's going to stick right, out. All right. There's no John Carlson, like, this year, so I can't get into anything like <laughs> <All right>. that. <laughs> Chisler. Uh, yeah. Okay. So storylines of camp. That's a good question. Uh, I think the wide receiver battle is going to be a, a something we'll find out more about because <clears throat> Jermaine Curse needs to, you know, bounce back. But I think that there's some rookies that can challenge P. Rich having no injury to to fight through, and with the space because Lockett's been injured. I think there's some gamesmanship there, some competition. Um. Hmm. I think there's yeah, there's some deeper ones, but I want to hear some other thoughts first. I I think it'll be an interesting debate in the in the running back group. Um I I foresee that all three and I'm talking Rawls, Procise, and Eddie Lacy will all look pretty good and they'll they'll all look a little different too and we'll see them in different preseason games and in different matchups and against different opponents and and they'll at various times look incredible. And I think we'll all be excited for it. And we'll, we'll all be struggling to figure out who to draft and where in the fantasy room. And I think it'll be a question. I mean, literally up until the, the, you know, night before the first game as to who's going to get the start, who's going to get the most carries. Um, And it, it may be a story for the entire season. I think it, it, the, the roles and the playing time and the snaps could shift around quite a bit. Yeah, that's why nice. that's and why I, I didn't I go into the running back position because I think it's going to be all be, year. You know, and that's just the top. I think that's just the top three. I think even someone that's you know fourth or fifth on the depth chart, um, you know, like an Alex Collins, and they've got some interesting fullbacks in camp that that you know Marcel Reese and some guys that can do some different things. That uh, and there's some guy out of BYU. I think they cut him. Was yeah. the number one rated fullback. They cut I mean, him already. Oh, they didn't. Algernon Brown got cut already for Marcel Reese. Oh, yes. really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, yeah. Chisler's right. Chisler's right. Okay. Okay. I thought you were just messing no, with me. No, no. They like, seriously oh, did cut him. It uh, was it was kind of a shocker. <laughs> Everybody thought he was a dark horse yeah. to uh, take that position. But Marcel Reese is, is uh, tried and true, so it was a great call. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. So so anyway, I think uh, th- there's going to be five guys that that are going to be interesting, and it's it's just going to be a very fluid situation, not just in the preseason, but probably all season long. 
That's nice. the voice of reason coming through because that actually doesn't make <laughs> the most sense to me. Yeah, because you know, I like, I like it, I like it, I, and I and I think we might hear just because it's training camp and and everything. I think yeah, we always we always get a lot of hype hype about some of the someone who ends up not even making the team, even though they're like a training camp darling. So there's going to be one of those younger running backs or or rookies or fullbacks who just like Pete mentions five times in three interviews or something. And then he'll get cut like two weeks later or something. But uh, but I am I think that the main story of training camp is going to be the one that I am so fed up with and don't want to hear anymore. And that's going to be the offensive line. I mean, come on, guys. It's going to be like twelve hundred different combinations. Yeah. George Fant has like lost or gained 700 pounds and can now can bench press Tom Cable with his house on his back. And yeah. like, it's just, it's going to be, we're going to have the, you know, a hall of fame offensive line, according to the coaches, <laughs> like we do every year in training camp and guys are going to switch positions 14 times in three days of the first three days of training camp. You know, I'm just, I, I feel like every single year, the storyline is, Look how much improvement we've made. Look how strong this guy who used to be uh, the, you know, the the cashier at the stadium. He's such a good guard now. And, you know, I'm I'm so not ready to hear this story again, but it's going to be the story. OK, here's a question. All right. Sorry. Who's who's one guy at training camp that will probably make the roster isn't necessarily a starter, but but somebody you really want to see. Um, take the step forward or solidify themselves as a as a you know a core piece of the team. And I'll and I'll go first just so you guys can kind of ponder it for a sec because I was thinking about it this morning and and mine is Nick Vanette, who was the tight end mm. they they drafted last year. Yes, did, had battled injuries, didn't didn't really see much playing time, but he's a guy that they're they're just thin at the position. <clears throat> Jimmy Graham's going to be a free agent next year. Luke Wilson's going to be a free agent. And if if Nick Vanette um, can't really elevate his game and and show that he belongs on the roster, it really leaves them thin at the position uh, going forward, and and sort of makes them beholden to to re-signing Jimmy Graham and and meeting his contractual demands. If uh, if, mm-hmm. if Nick Vanette isn't kind of the next guy, the next guy to step forward. Nice. I'll I'll go next. Uh... And mine is, I think he is a part-time starter at least, but the kid I want to see really blow up and take over and dominate this year is Jaron Reed. I would like to see him, like, have a huge year at defensive tackle, become the, like, kind of sole main run stopper, just stud, owning the inside, and then we can sign him up to, you know, an extension or redo his contract and really have a nice, good, solid stud defensive tackle. Um, as Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill getting older, I want to see the inside of that line really, really become good. So, so Krusty, do you want him to just be a run stuffer, or do you expect I, a little more like Brandon Mebane type, you know, penetration um, and getting you know six sacks a year or whatever? If, if his if ceiling got, was, yeah, if he got like four or five sacks a year, I'd probably be even happy with that. If he can create inside pressure, that'd be okay. But for me, honestly, with how much importance they put on stopping the run and with how good Bobby Wagner is, as long as he's got a defensive tackle in front of him to eat up blocks and stuff. I just want I want a guy who is impossible to move off his spot. 
And I think Jaron Reed could be that guy. I think he's he wasn't all that far away from it last year. I think he's a guy that should I want to see. Here's what I want. I want Jaron Reed to get double teamed every play. Every single time he's on the field, they should have to double team him or else they can't move him. And that's what I want from him, because that means Bobby Wager's making tackles in the backfield. Nice. Okay. I think I'd uh, I'd say uh, CJ Procise, and I think a lot of the arguments that you spoke about uh, about Nick Vanette is like way more pertinent for CJ Procise. Like Procise will actually make an impact on the field. Like if if Vanette just can can get by, then they can say, oh well, maybe we don't need uh, Graham. But Procise showed flashes of actually improving the team i don't know that vanette's shown any flashes of improving the team but um yeah so if pro size can stay healthy and if he can like get in the playbook and get like his his third down work um consistently all season i think we could have another tyler lockett type explosive player on the team that's incredibly young that we can control for the next you know, five years. So I think pro size has a tremendous upside as far as impacting the team. If he takes a step. I was just thinking about speaking of Doug Baldwin, these undrafted receivers, Darius Rogers and with Cyril Grayson or whatever from uh, LSU um, Baldwin. I heard him saying that like, he really likes these guys and how they're like making them compete and stuff. And they've had success with undrafted wide receivers, too. So, you know, yeah. who, who knows what could happen there. There's a lot of interesting guys coming in right now. I mean, that's kind of how the Seahawks are. I mean, that is that is a guarantee of them every year. Somebody yeah. who's undrafted is going to make the team and be good. That's and be good, like exactly. Every single year. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of incredible that that's how it is because uh, – you know, we kind of... I mean, their whole team is based off that. When we were talking about uh, storylines of training camp, uh, we, were, we were all in the optimism world. But I think the one that I think might be the truest storyline of training camp is going to there is going to I knew it was going to be the Cam Chancellor contract situation. We've seen it before, and it was uh, just flat out butt ugly, if I can say that. His <laughs> he had the he had he had the weirdest uh, time to hold out. He chose the weirdest time to hold out. He chose the most bizarre style of holding out he just made no sense he had no leverage it was ridiculous and now it's actually the time where he has the leverage and or you would theoretically have the leverage but um i think the training camp holdout or contract story with cam chancellor could be the biggest storyline of training camp Wait, so you you think Cam is not going to show up? No, I think he will, but I think he's uh, him getting a new contract will be the storyline, I guess. So you think he's going to be you think he, there's somehow we're going to find out during training camp that he's unhappy with his contract. I think we already to know a big that. enough point that it becomes a story. Yes, I think we already well, yeah, know, we that. know that. But you think it's going to become a big enough. Apparently issue. he tweeted this morning about it already. And today's the first day. So, yeah, I think it might just be just might be oh, amping interesting, up. Interesting. Man, he got up early to make that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's going to be exciting. I'm so glad that the season's starting. We can actually maybe start just talking about Hawks. You know, I, we could talk about the Mariners, but nah, let's not. There, they, now, I will say, 
And as as the guy who has pretty much shat on the Mariners all year long. Oh um, wait, wait, what's going on here? Is it? I would still <laughs> like to say that I'm right, but but they but they are only like four games out of the wild card or something yeah. like that. Well, last so time without, you were like, like without doing anything, they might just like luck their way into a wild card. Trust maybe. me, the last time we'll the last the last podcast we had, you were like. Well, let's just not talk about the horrible Mariners. I mean, there's nothing to talk about. Well, afterwards, I like looked at their standings, and I'm like, wait, they're like one and a half out of the wild card. How is that horrible to you? And now they're four uh, back, and you're saying they got a chance. Maybe. I mean, they might be. I just at the time that we had our last podcast, I was pissed because they had, uh, you know, the couple weeks before that, they had been. Just kind of falling apart and been terrible. Yeah. Well, they, they, last year they had that well, huge run. And in you August. said you set it up at the beginning of this year. You set it up at the beginning of the podcast. You said you're not going to even be happy unless they're like, tw- you know, make it to the World Series. So just ma- just no, making the I, that is not true. just making that the playoffs and scraping by <laughs> is not what you need to be a fan. Otherwise, your heart is going to break no, again, buddy. I said I your little it. heart until they <laughs> raise that Vince Lombardi trophy. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I just want playoff bat baseball. <laughs> we'll talk about it next time. I mean, I got now that I'm back, I can actually watch some Mariners games and get back in. I've been so out of the whole season, but well, I think there is one storyline with the Mariners, and this is what I'm fearful of: is that the the trade line uh, July 31st is fast approaching, and I'm increasingly yeah. worried. That they're going to do something stupid and <laughs> yeah, mortgage exactly. the future <laughs> yeah, and, <throw> you know, <laughs> think that they're close enough and think that they just had some bad breaks and, and they're going to gut the farm system and, and get us some kind of slight upgrade Eric in the Bedard's rotation. Eric oh, Bedard. I know. <laughs> He's I'm, right waiting, there. I'm waiting for the news. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I heard Kevin Mitchell's coming out of retirement, too, and yeah. Valley. <laughs> That's my fear because I think I think Depoto's done a pretty good job of of trying to balance the the need to win now and also maintaining uh, assets for the future. And when he when he's made trades like for Hanniger and Segura and and bringing in some young guys and and sort of finding that right balancing act, I'm worried he's going to start to get a little twitchy and and make some trades that will push the. Uh, push the balance more toward winning now when they really don't seem to have yeah. proven that they've got the roster that's anything yeah, better than this sort of that. average. They yeah. should not do that, definitely. I they did read a, only a couple of days left. I read a great quote from him, however, where he basically said, you know, this guy's 25, this guy's 25, this guy's 26, this guy's 24, and he was kind of saying in the outfield and in various positions, I don't know, um, off the top of my head, but he said, we are not, uh, we're 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 looking good for the long run. It's not make or break right now. So I think his head's in the right place, um, but it's always a a question mark because the fans get all itchy too, and they start putting pressure on. In lieu of this first day of spring training or spring training in training camp. See, I'm already still in baseball in my head. Um, we should end the podcast today with our favorite camp training moments since. We have a professional on our hands. Well, if we call it professional. Just camp moments. You mean, <laughs> any, any old camp. Any old camp. Some, summer camp. Summer, summer camp. Yeah, I mean, I've only, the last camp I went to with eighth grade honors, I might as well just start it since I'm, I'm bringing this up now. But, I mean, do you guys remember going to that? What was it, Tall Timber? Yep. 
Absolutely. Where is yeah, that? By so, the way? well, hold on, hold on. So you gotta. There's people that listen to this that didn't grow up at Morgan Middle School. I mean, not many, maybe one. Yeah, what are you talking but, about? Um, I don't think that's true but, at all. But, but um, so in our in our uh, hometown, uh, in middle school was sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and if you got good enough grades. Through all whatever of sixth, that, seventh, eighth grade, one point five GPA or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you got good enough grades, you got to go to this week long camp at the end of eighth grade called Eighth Grade Honors Camp. All right, go ahead. Oh, so. it was the end of the year. Yeah, it yeah. was a special treat. Where, where is Tall Timber, by the way? I have no idea. Tall Timber is sort of up in the like Leavenworthy area. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, I had no idea. That's awesome. Well, anyway. So, yeah, we go up there for a week, and I, I mean, I barely remember pretty much anything because I have no memory past four, four years ago. So, anyway, we, <clears throat> we were, uh, at the end of it, we did have to do this, like, talent thing, or we, I don't remember, we did some sort of talent competition thing between the, the, the cabins, and mine was we did a lip sync to uh, You Make Me Feel Like a... Natural woman, like what was it? The Aretha, natural. Yeah, I was gonna say you made, <laughs> you, made like, you made me feel like a pretty woman. Was what was I was gonna write? Uh, say, yeah, natural woman, and um, we all dressed up as girls and put on like makeup and dresses and stuff because we were all dudes. And, and our cast, I remember and that. Did you remember that? I remember this, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I okay. This. So and our and our cat and our our lead counselor guy was the singer guy and. We go out there and everybody's losing it, like cracking up. And we're like, yeah, we are killing this. Like thinking we were like, I think we won this dumb thing or whatever. I don't remember. (laughs) But we were like totally thought we were, everybody was laughing so hard. And we were like, all right, this is awesome. Like killed it. We go back. We're like high five. And this is all I remember. Um, Then, I don't know, maybe it was like a month or so later. I'm back in Ellensburg and I run into... The other counselor that was, we had two, I believe, in one cabin or two of our guys. And he was telling us that whole story about that night. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the reason why everybody was losing their shit the whole time is because he said they have it on video. The main guy, his little dingling was hanging out below his dress. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody was losing it because they could see it. And they're like, it's on camera. (laughs) Like you can full on sing his his dingling hanging out the whole time. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, so that—that's awesome. my favorite moment of the camp. <laughs> Hopefully, yours isn't as uh, sexually charged as mine. So, un- unfortunately, mine is pretty sexually charged. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so this was uh, this was this year. This was back in in April, and we went to Camp Krusty. Uh, Krusty literally runs a summer camp year round and he, uh, he's invited me up several times and I've always said, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And it just never quite worked out. And so it was a father son weekend and the, the way the timing broke, uh, my son was sick, uh, during the, the week that they do the, the maturation and the puberty talk at, at school. And oh, we geez. didn't know it. We didn't know it. And so, um, we kind of heard through the grapevine of other parents saying, Oh, how did Charlie handle the, the big talk and the big news at school? And, you know, he was, he was just a total cigar store Indian, you know, didn't say a thing to any of us. And so, <laughs> so I said, all right, this looks like old dad's got to step in and, and give the talk. And, 
Oh and, God! <laughs> and I thought, all right, this will be the weekend. I'll we'll go to Camp Krusty. We'll have several hours in the car, just me and little Brosif, and and I'll give the talk, and and we'll we'll sort it out. And um, so so the day we're we're driving to Camp Krusty, and we're about two hours into it, and uh, and we're driving down the road. And I said, all right, Brosif, you got any questions for old Dad? <laughs> You know, a lot, a lot of stuff's going on. I'm sure you've heard some stuff. Lay it on me. What, what do you got? Let, let's talk. What, any questions for old dad? He's like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to learn from you. Yeah. So, so this this perpetuated every you know 30 miles or so. I just keep you know trying to find a way to bring it up. Hey, you know, mom, mom and sister aren't here. It's just you and me. Talk to old dad. You know, if you got questions, just just lay them on me. And so this this went on, you know, the whole drive over, and then the first day at, at Camp Krusty, you know, I'd be like, hey, we we got uh, we got 15 minutes before archery, Joseph. What do you got? You got any questions? Nope, nope, Dad, I'm I'm good. I'm all good. And then so finally we were coming up on the last day, and I and we we hadn't made any headway. And so I said, all right, Joseph, do you have any questions? And he said, no. And I said, all right, I'm going to ask you some questions. And he said, okay. And I said, all right. Do you know what, uh, well, what, how did I say it? Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm uncomfortable so said, right now. Do you know what, <laughs> so, you know, I, I know, can't I imagine know, but, what so, this so kid was this going through. Charged. How many yeah. sweating bullets were going go, down? Go, 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 go. Okay. So I said, uh, do you know what hormones are? And he said, nope. <laughs> nope. I said, okay. Okay. I said, all right. Do you, do you know what your, uh, your endocrine system is? He wow. Said, <laughs> he said, nope. I don't even know what that is, dude. <laughs> no, so I didn't either. Like, I was hoping, you know, so now suddenly I'd, I'd made, it, made it more global and I have to start talking about, you know, pituitary glands and adrenal glands and you know all this stuff. And, and, and I go way too high level. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. So 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 then I finally, you know, just said, okay, do you know what testosterone is? And he said, no. I said, okay, so this is kind of what, what makes you a man. And your body's gonna your body's gonna start producing it. And it's it's gonna it's gonna help you grow and you know you're you know you're four and a half feet tall, five feet tall. In five years, you're going to be six feet tall. You're going to grow a foot and a half in five years. And right now, you weigh 60 pounds. In five years, you're going to weigh 160 pounds. And, you know, so in five years, you're going to grow a foot and a half and add 100 pounds. I mean, that's crazy. And, you know, your feet are going to get big. And, I mean, it, and it's none of it's going to be linear. You, you may not grow at all, and your feet are going to grow five sizes and, yeah. and, or vice versa. And anything in between, you may have a full beard and be five feet tall. Or, you know, it's just like, it, it's just a crazy time. And so so we talked through it, and obviously, you know, the, the discussion ensued, and it, it got more sexually charged, obviously. But um, it, it was good. I kept it, I kept it high level. Didn't, didn't get into specifics of how babies are made or anything like that. I just told him that his, his body's going to start to produce things that could make a baby, and that's why we have to understand this. And anyway, it was a good father-son weekend. We had a ton of fun. Krusty does a great job, um, except he's not Krusty. He's Moose at camp, which, yeah. which, was, which was totally... Um, 
you know, jarring to, to think of him as anything but crusty. Uh, <laughs> but but he is still crusty at camp. He is, it, although he has a different moniker, he's still very much the same dude. So anyway, that was a great weekend. Very memorable. Oh, that's hilarious. You sounds like you backed yourself into some scientific corners there. <laughs> Oh god, yeah. yeah. He got he got deep and way overconfident there. <laughs> so then you say, do you know what the end of gravity in the moon, and the way that says, gravity no, will pull on your armpit hair in the future, it's gonna be very different. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, uh, Chisler, any I, I, could, I, sh- I, I think I might regale you guys with this. This is a pretty out there out there story. Definitely not my favorite camp moment, but the most memorable. Okay, I grew up in going, being a Boy Scout, and every year, I was the worst Boy Scout. Let's just set that up. I, I was the absolute worst. I still don't even know how to tie a knot, yet I you know, made it all the way to my life badge, which is one before Eagle. That's Except for you made it all the way to, you made it all the way to Backyard Bush. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're still a Boy Scout. Yeah. <laughs> So I was, craft, he's an Eagle Scout. Yeah, I was one before Eagle Scout by the time I was done. I just didn't, you know me, I quit uh, before I actually hit the goal. So <laughs> Wait, hold on. You, you quit? Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop, period, quit. Yeah. Um, here we go. So every year we would go attend Boy Scout camp. And um, this is where I predominantly did all my scouting. I would just do it all in a week get all my merit badges that I needed to so I could advance in this week. It was amazing. You could just go to this camp and come out with like 25 merit badges in a week. It, it made no sense because it was all, you know, you were just paying for them basically. Um, so I'm, I'm at camp with my other fellow scouts, and one of the guys says, hey, punch me in the shoulder as hard as you can. Just, this is a, you know, we were just a bunch of boys, so it was like, a little machismo thing. Punch me in the shoulder as hard as you can. So I cock back and just wail on this dude on his shoulder. One as extremely hard punch, as, as, as hard as I could do. And I come away with that. My hand is aching. My hand is hurting so bad. <clears throat> and I'm just like, tried to play it off as cool as, as, as I could be. And he didn't even flinch, by the way. He did not even flinch at my hardest hit on his shoulder. And so I, I'm sweating all night after that, thinking, oh, my God, I think I broke my hand. I think I broke my hand punching this kid. How did I screw this up so bad? And now I'm at camp. I'm, a, I'm away from my family, and I'm away from everybody, and I really don't want to admit this fact. I don't want to be sent home. I don't want to have to go get a cast. I don't want any of that stuff. And, you know, so I, I rely on... What's, what's the one thing I can do? The one thing I think I can do is pray. <laughs> For some reason, and I'm not, I wasn't a tremendously <laughs> religious person, even though I did go to church all the time, but I thought, this will be a good test for the old man upstairs, let's say. <clears throat> so, in true young Mormonite fashion, I go into the woods all alone, into a clearing, much akin to a Joseph Smith scenario, Wait, 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 wait. A grove? Well, I got to pause right here yes, real quick. Yes, yes. I got to, I got to, no, no, I just got to, as much as Joseph, oh, that, that part I could have fun with too. But 
Well, the first part I want to say is, as someone who runs a camp, there should be no opportunity or no possibility for a child to wander off into the woods alone. This is the this is the most poorly ran. No, camp no, no. Actually, we had we Where had merit you? badges that were specifically go into the woods by yourself for an hour and just journal all the nature and and stuff that you could see, all the squirrels, all the trees, all the foliage, and all that stuff. This is oh all this is all school crazy. That's how it, it used to be. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to throw the camp under the bus. <laughs> On the on the podcast because the camp didn't do anything about it, but anyway, so yeah, there was plenty of opportunity right, to have alone time. <laughs> so so yeah. I went out into this I went out into this you know perfectly sunlit grove, kneeled down on got down on my knees and folded you know my arms and I said a prayer and I said, dear God, I think my hand is broken. But if it's if you heal me, or you or you just prove that it's not broken, you know, by some means, and you have to negotiate with God, right? You have to negotiate in these moments. You can't ju- you can't just you can't just ask a favor without giving something in return. And so I said, I will stop masturbating <laughs> from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> Just let my hand. Well, what good? What good is a non-broken <laughs> hand, though? If you're not gonna... <laughs> exactly. I don't know. It was a kid's, it was a kid's mind. Stranger, I was. It was a kid's oh. mind that's unformed. It doesn't oh. know all the ramifications of what of what they're saying. <laughs> you know, I was oh. giving up masturbating for the next for the rest of my life. I was. So it was a totally. <laughs> oh my! For, just for one moment of non-embarrassment. For one oh moment of God, non-embarrassment, and uh, and of course, like a true. Oh. Knowing, uh, you know, God up in heaven, they knew that I couldn't hold that bargain. So I had, I went to the. <laughs> so it, to yeah, so I finished my prayer and and I have made this plea, but the hand still hurts. So they have to get me checked out. So it ends up somebody from the camp has to drive me to the nearest hospital. They do the X-rays, and I'm still thinking. You know, I promised. I I I made this deal with God. This 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 is x-ray is going to come back and I am a I just bruised this thing or this is this is not a broken hand. This x-ray comes back. I have the traditional boxer's break where my outside knuckles are broken and, and I just didn't know how to punch correctly cuz I was had never really gotten in a fight before. So uh, I instantly cursed the man upstairs <laughs> for being a wor- for being a totally worthless piece of crap, <laughs> and got got a cast. Had to come back to camp with this temporary cast on my arm. They had to call my parents. It was this whole huge ordeal. Everybody was like, including the kid that I punched, was like, are you kidding me? That broke your hand? And he he didn't even feel it. He didn't even feel it. So I was a total laughing stock. Then I had to complete all my merit badges with the with only my left hand, and I was actually doing a basket weaving uh, merit badge that year, <laughs> so I could not weave my basket. So I had to have another child in the another scout weave my basket for me, and then I took the credit for it and got the merit oh, badge gosh. anyway. I basically, you know, scammed my way through that rest of the week. But had my one of my early formative moments where I knew that calling upon a higher power to f- 
and and claiming that you were gonna you know stop some behavior that you knew you weren't supposed to be doing anyway. <clears throat> that that was never gonna be the right solution. So it was a it was a really formative moment for me. I- <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, see, can't. Camp really teaches the important <laughs> yeah. thing. And on the flip side, you learn how to give yourself the stranger, so it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've been, you, you've been masturbating feverishly to spite God ever since, I think. <laughs> that's, that's right. Oh, God, that's awesome. Did, this is did, a weird episode, least, by the way. Did you at uh, least get a merit badge for bare-knuckle fighting or something? Yeah, you get, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Bear, that's awesome. All right, quickly, Krusty, we're oh, running out of time. I don't, oh, God, I don't know. I, the problem for me is that it's like trying to choose between, like, 5,000. I could do a podcast where I just tell stories. From you actually have, uh, yeah, you should just start your own side podcast. <laughs> um, I would say that one of the, uh, one of the most funny memories for me at camp would also have happened at Tall Timber. Um, also eighth grade honors camp, which I went back to and was a counselor for, uh, eighth grade honors camp, um, when I was in college. Uh, so it was a class in my major to actually run that camp. So, uh, which I did two separate years. So I went back to tall timber as a counselor and had this eighth grade cabin of boys, um, that I was in charge of. And, um, this cabin of boys happened to be the still to today. And I have spent, you know, 20 years working at camp uh, all over the country. And still to today, this cabin of boys is probably the like six craziest human beings I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> and I had within like three hours had like lost my patience with them because they wouldn't listen and they were just super crazy and hmm. super fought all the time. Like they Sounds were like definitely trying we to get their. Yeah, they, they they were definitely trying to get their like bare knuckle uh, merit badges also. <laughs> yeah, they were just constantly <laughs> fighting. Um, but um, <clears throat> so we got into it. My brother was there that year and he was a count or no, I'm sorry. uh a buddy from my from the major was there, sorry. And he was there and we got into a prank war. Uh both of us were super frustrated with our cabin groups of kids. And so we started pranking each other's cabins. And over the course of the years at camp, I've seen a lot of pranks and a lot the most of them go really wrong. Um <laughs> but this was one of the like funnier, best pranks I've ever seen anyone pull off ever. Um, so the other cabin got us and, and, and I actually had gone to get coffee early in the morning, uh, and left the other counselor there to watch the boys and was bringing coffee back. And I opened the door to our cabin and everyone is asleep still, but the other cabin had somehow come into the cabin and basically rolled out saran wrap on the floor of the entire cabin. Uh, and then put down on top of it like petroleum jelly. Wow. <laughs> or like Vaseline or whatever. And so it was like an ice rink. And I took like two steps full into this cabin <laughs> and had two full coffees in my hands. So I couldn't like put my hands down. And I like flat backed, like completely in the air and just landed on my back. Coffee goes flying out of the cups, lands on one Hot camper. Coffee. That yeah. camper freaks out and 
freaks out and sits up and jumps out of his bed in his sleeping bag, immediately hits the plastic and the Vaseline, <laughs> also slips and flatbacks onto his back. <laughs> he starts yelling out, and so everyone sits up, and I'm trying to tell him, I'm like, stay in your bunk, stay in your bunk, stay in your bunk, but everyone jumps out, of course, to see what's going on. And the one boy in particular jumps, completely just jumps out of the top bunk to oh land on the God. floor to see what's going on. And he hits the floor and his feet just instantly slip out from underneath him. And he just like face plants right into the chest of the other kid that got out of his bunk first. <laughs> and so all of a sudden there is just like six, seven human beings like slipping and rolling around and like sliding under bunks and like tripping over bags. And like and it took us a probably solid like 20 minutes to like get everyone up and like out of the out of the thing and all of the sleeping bags were like ruined like everyone had like vaseline and plastics wrap all over everything oh it was that it was hilarious. so horrible and they were so mad that's and they one. wanted to go they wanted to go fight the other cabin and they wanted to go like throw rocks through the windows and they were like they were so pissed off and so funny and i was just like i was crying and i was laughing that's so like hard. some like, home alone part two. Oh, oh, yeah, it was yeah. so awesome dude it was so awesome i was laughing so hard and it's a great example of why camp crusty does not allow any yeah yeah i was gonna say that could have gone really wrong that was at a time when like you guys thought that was funny someone could easily hurt themselves oh super bad yeah well hey we're like way over we gotta wrap this yeah up. i gotta go i gotta go to camp crusty right now actually. all right well hey it was nice talking to you guys and good stories yeah good work guys good pe- yeah. good up see you later good job guys All right, peace.